going to uh, conclude our study on the Battle of Gog and Magog, something that we started several weeks ago. Uh, basically, we started this uh, after the, the, we pulled out of Afghanistan and, and all the saber-rattling and all the stuff that's going on connected with uh, that episode. Many of you had questions about that area of, of the world and all that's going on uh, over there. We need to be praying, folks. We need to be praying. Uh, a lot's going on. Uh, I heard from uh, an individual this week who's in the military, and uh, she's in the Air Force, and she was pretty well informing me and informing us of, of the dangerous situation that exists in the world right now. We're on a powder keg. There is a powder keg ready to be lit, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be praying for those who are in the military. We need to be praying for uh, those that are uh, the churches that are around the, the, the world that are in some of these, these areas. Uh, so I want us to focus on those nations that are listed uh, in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So this morning... We're going to be looking at Ezekiel 38 and 39. I'm more convinced than ever of the prophecies that are contained there and how that relates to what's happening on the world stage today. We better be aware. We better pay attention. We better understand what's going on. And let me just come right out and say, if you're not prepared for the rapture of the church, the rapture of the body of Christ, you need to be. If you're not saved, if you've never by faith trusted Christ, let me encourage you to do that. Don't even wait till the end of this service. Do it right this moment. Say, Lord, I believe that you died for my sins, were buried, and you rose again. Lord, I believe you did that on my behalf, and eternal life is God's gift to you when you believe the gospel. And that's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So while I'm preaching, think about your eternal destination. Think about where will you spend eternity. Folks, I believe we're that close. And if you are saved, you know the Lord Jesus. You know that heaven is your home. Need to be praying for our unsaved friends. We need to be praying for our family members that need the Lord Jesus Christ. Because... The stage is being set. We are close. The occurrences that are listed that take place in Ezekiel 38 and 39, I think are predicated on the things that we're told in Ezekiel 36 and 37. That has to do with the restoration of Israel. It has to do with the restoration. Now, I know Israel became a nation in 1948, but there's much more that's about to happen over there especially when the church, the body of Christ, is raptured out, that the prophecies, the promises that, are, that take place in Ezekiel 36 and 37, when they start taking place, uh, we're going to start seeing a lot of things happening. 36, 37, 38, 39, a lot of activity. We need to be aware of that activity. So I want to give you a brief timeline of what I believe is about to happen. First of all, I believe we're about to be out of here. We are about to be raptured out. You say, Pastor, you say that every Sunday. Yep, I do. I say it. I want you to know. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready. 
I want you to be expecting, because I want you to receive a special reward. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that there is a, a, a crown reserved for those who love his appearing. Don't you want that? So we love his appearing, we look for his appearing, we preach his appearing. That has to do with the church, the body of Christ. It is that rapture that God's word says is our blessed hope. So we are anxious. We are looking forward to the rapture. That's the thing that I believe is about to happen. Then, then God's prophetic dealings with Israel resumes. What commences after the rapture is the time of Jacob's trouble that the scripture so clearly reveals and talks about. It's Daniel's 70th week, which is that seven-year period called the tribulation begins, and how that involves Israel and the Antichrist and the false prophet and one world government and a one world religious system. All of that starts at the beginning of that seven-year period. The scripture talks about in Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows and all the things that take place at that part. during that time you have the rapture of the church the tribulation begins it commences in Revelation it talks about the different seals that are open the first seal at the beginning of that tribulation that's opened after the church is gone that first seal that's opened and John sees is the Antichrist coming on the scene the Antichrist he is is a man that is uh, politically powerful, he is uh, charismatic, he is going to come riding into the scene, on the scene, and people are going to end up worshiping him, confusing him with the true Messiah. As a matter of fact, that's what the seven-year tribulation is going to be about. Those that are, that are preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that the true Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth and and millions and millions are going to come to know Christ as the Messiah. And then on the other hand, you've got the beast and uh, the unholy trinity of the beast, the false prophet and Satan himself that are convincing people, lying to people that here is this beast. He is the one to be worshiped. Matter of fact, that's the reason he goes into the temple midway in the tribulation and declares himself to be God. He wants to be worshipped. Remember when Satan took Christ upon the mountain and he told Christ, see all these kingdoms of the world? If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you these. And what did Christ say? Get thee behind me, Satan. And he used the scripture that says, basically, paraphrase it, I'm not interested. No, no. Christ never said, hey, Satan, you don't, those kingdoms aren't yours to give. Never said that. You know why? Because they are Satan's to give. He's the God of this world. And so here, here in the tribulation, guess what Satan, the devil, is going to find? Someone he can offer these kingdoms to, and they're going to say, boy, howdy, I'll take them. I'll take them. And his rise to power is going to be astronomical. His rise to power is going to be breathtaking, literally. So the tribulation starts. The Antichrist comes in, and one of the things that this Antichrist, this beast does, is he confirms the covenant with Israel. 
confirming this covenant with Israel tells you two things. Number one, he's got to have a lot of authority just to do that. And number two, he has to be persuasive to do that. Whoever, whoever is able to confirm a covenant and things are going to be all happy, things are going to, they're going to be talking about peace and safety, it's going to look as if everything is right with the world. Peace and safety is going to be the kind of a theme song that they're going to be declaring. But what does Paul say to the church in Thessalonica? As, just as they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. At the beginning of the tribulation, this white this guy on this white horse is not the true Messiah. He is the false Messiah. He is the false Christ. He comes in and the whole world turns their attention to him, including Israel. And he confirms a covenant with Israel. And part of that covenant, I believe, is going to include the building of the new temple. The new temple has to be built because it's halfway through that the beast goes into the temple and declares himself God. So part of that covenant, and can you imagine right now if, if someone came up with the idea, hey, I know, let's build the Jewish, uh, rebuild the Jewish temple. They're close in the vicinity of where the Dome of the Rock is. What would happen? It, it, that, that person would pretty much be uh, not thought much of. And it would get a lot of feedback. But this guy's going to be able to do that. He confirms the covenant. What all that covenant's going to consist of, we don't know. But it's with Israel. It's going to cause the world to just go, wow, this guy's amazing. I think one of the things he's going to do is he's going to be able to convince the people and, and explain to the people what's happened to us, where, where we've gone, where have those pesky Christians been taken. They're no longer around causing a thorn in our flesh. We're out of here. I think he's going to be able to give them a solution. I'm not sure what that solution is going to be. It could be anything from aliens have abducted, abducted us to we've been taken to concentration camps, and that's more likely what's going to happen, that we've all been collected and uh, we're in a concentration camp someplace. Who knows? But anyway, the world's going to believe his lies. So the rapture of the church, the beginning of the tribulation, the agreement between the Antichrist and the nation of Israel, that is going to rouse a hatred and a bitterness of those Islamic nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39. The area that's in the news. All of those nations in 38 39 are Islamic. The last time we were here on a Wednesday night, someone asked... Uh, I think it was Brett. Brett asked a really important question, and a good question, when we were kind of talking about this, and he said, well, during this time, are they going to hate Israel even more than they hate Israel right now? Because they hate Israel with a passion right now. Why all of a sudden this response when they've hated Israel for a long, long time? Are they going to hate them more because their hatred already is pretty extreme the answer is yeah yes they're going to hate them more because of something that's taken place i'm not sure if their hatred is going to be any more severe or just what has taken place between the beast 
and Israel. You have to be aware of something. There is an Islamic teaching concerning the last days. Their teaching warns of a dojal. And that is a antichrist. They don't call him the antichrist. But this false teach of this false a leader that's going to come and he's going to lead the nation of Israel and their teaching warns against that and there is going to be a caliphate that's going to rise up as a matter of fact it's, it's with great expectation they've even named what's coming as the hour if you talk to a Muslim if you talk to someone concerning this prophecy that they believe is going to happen they call it the hour that there's going to be this massive call to convert to Islam and it's when this Dajjal comes on the scene and they are going to launch this caliphate caliphate, and they're going to do do away with him. This is part of their belief and all of a sudden you're going to have Israel the church is gone, hallelujah Israel signing or confirming uh, the beast confirming a covenant with Israel and they're going to look at this guy and the bells and whistles are going to go off and in their mind and in their heart they're going to have to stop it but not only that as we're going to see God himself puts it in their hearts in their minds because his words at stake so much of what's going to happen is God doing the work to bring a pact to pass what, what he says is going to happen. So just imagine this. The church is gone, not the Holy Spirit. Don't fall for that false doctrine that the Holy Spirit's going to be gone. <laughs> On the contrary. Holy Spirit's going to be working and active just like was in Acts chapter 2 with the signs and wonders and all the miraculous things that are going to be taking place during, during that tribulation period. Uh, just as on the day of, of Pentecost, people say, return to Pentecost. Oh, that ha- that's going to happen. <laughs> but we're gone. Not for the church, the body of Christ, but for those signs and wonders at the beginning of the tribulation, they're going to start taking place. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one that Christ is going to make sure is here in order to walk beside next to those that are left on earth. Folks, you do not want to be left behind. But if you find yourself left behind, know this. Jesus is the true Messiah. The beast is not. Choose the Lord Jesus. It's going to be terrible. There's going to be a time of persecution and suffering such as never has been on the earth before. If you don't want to be appointed to wrath, don't mean to shake my finger, but maybe I do. If you don't want to be appointed to wrath, your faith and trust Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now. Right this very moment. Because what the tribulation is, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. It is when the wrath of God is poured out. When the beast and the false prophet and, the, and Satan himself are raining down terror. But their terror is mild in comparison to what God is going to be doing as his wrath is being poured out. You, you do not want to be part of that. But you don't have to be. By faith you can trust Jesus Christ. So the church is gone. This extremely popular and charismatic character comes riding in, just as the first seal tells us in the book of Revelation. The global leadership, the elitist, are enthralled with this guy. 
The new world order is underway. The great reset has been initiated. That's coming, folks, and it's close. Those pesky Christians are gone. One world government is being initiated and devised. A world religious system has, is underway. There's a global currency. There's a cashless society. Oh, why, there's even going to be a market identification that's going to be offered to all of these people. Here, show your compliance. Show that you're a good human being. Show that you comply. Show, show that, that, that you, your financial gain and your health and what you believe in why you're on board with the world system and you, you are a citizen of the world. Here, take this mark. And folks, if you don't think the vaccine is not a precursor to the mark, if you don't think what's going on in the world today is not leading up to that, then we need to talk. Because it is. It is. And what it's showing us is just how easy people, how, how easy it is to convince people, jump on that wagon. On the one hand, matter of fact, let me say this. The jab is not the mark of the beast. But I think it's beastly that they're mandating it. Do you hear me? It's not the mark of the beast. But it's beastly that they're mandating it. And what all that entails. What all that means. The significance of that. That's what's concerning. But anyway, on the one hand, you've got the world coming together. There's peace and safety. Uh, the world is all of a sudden thinking good thoughts and, and worldwide issues are being settled and, and why it just looks like it's, it's kumbaya all over again. Uh, do you remember back in 1985, there was a song that that was really popular, and all the popular singers were singing it, We Are the World. You, you remember that? How many of you remember that? We are the world. And, and they did all of that stuff. And I, as, as I was working on this, I was thinking about, We are the world. Uh, that, I'm surprised that that's not going to be another anthem that's, that's going to come on the scene, and, and all of a sudden you're going to start seeing that pushed, and why it's such a feel-good song. Uh, you know, we're all God's children, is what it says, and, and we're saving our own lives. And, and, and I was thinking, boy, that, that sounds like today. And I thought, I'm going to Google it. Well, welcome to the 36th anniversary, and if you Google it, you'll find Lionel Richie talking about we are the world. If there was ever a time in the, in the history that we need to sing this song, it's now, and they do a new, it's not a new version, you still go back to see all of those people doing it, but we are the world is starting to be brought out. And all of these stars, uh, singers, are, are, part of, are, are part of that. Matter of fact, it's called the International Day of Conscience. It's connected with this song, We Are the World. 
It's promoting a culture of peace, love, and consciousness. I can't tell you how frightening all of those buzzwords are if you take them out of the context of God's Word. Can I tell you something to listen for? Two things. Two things if you watch the news. And you're going to have to tell me because I quit watching the news. I don't watch the news anymore. I just quit. I can't, can't take it. So if you see these two things, will you call me and let me know? Number one, the UN moves to Babylon. I, I'm telling you, I, am, I believe God's word. I believe they're going to move the UN to Babylon. So when you hear that, I don't care what time of the night it is. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Faye will answer the phone. She'll tell me in the morning. <laughs> let me know that, hey, I just heard they're moving the UN to Babylon because I expect that to happen. Can I tell you another song that I think is about to be dusted off and you're going to start hearing the world sing it? And it came out several, quite a few years ago. And it's one of the most ungodly, one of the most horrific songs ever written that is accepted and beloved by the majority of the world today. And it's by John Lennon. Imagine. If you like the song Imagine, we cannot be friends. If this song appeals to you, we need to talk about your eternal destination. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. No, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. No religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. If that's not going to be the Antichrist theme song, I don't know what song will be. Watch for that. I don't care what time. Fail answer the phone. Let me know. Because it's popular. It's a communist manifesto written by communist. And I don't apologize for believing that. But anyway, that's the type of thing we're headed to. That's the type of world scenario that we're about to see. And possibly, even before we get to that point, you're going to see a divisiveness. You're going to see the people of God standing for the truth of God's Word. And you're going to see people that are just bent on kumbaya. That's, this is not the answer, but man is the answer. And that's the direction they're Man's going to go. That's a rabbit trail I'd not really intended to get down, but anyway. 
But there's going to be a revival in Israel. The two witnesses are going to get started and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people are going to believe the true Messiah. 144,000 of them are going to be sealed and protected. The good news of the kingdom, the gospel that proclaims who the true Messiah is, that he's coming, believe on him, the signs and wonders that are going to be taking place, all of that's going to be taking place. And those nations that are listed in Ezekiel are not going to like that relationship that's taking place between the beast, the nation of Israel, and really with the rest of the world. What's going on the rest of the world? Turn with me to Ezekiel 38. You didn't think we were going to get there. But Ezekiel chapter 38. And the verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against who this is, 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 who this is. Does it represent a demonic being, just as Daniel talked about in Daniel chapter 10, when the angel came to help Daniel, but he he had the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. Is this the, the prince uh, a demonic being that is associated with that area? Uh, some believe that's the case. Uh, does Gog represent all the Gentile nations, or especially these nations that are uh, listed here that are all Islamic? All Islamic at this point. But here's what it says about Gog. Set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog. Now, where's the land of Magog? That is Central Asia. That's all of those Islamic states, Afghanistan, Armenia, uh, Turkestan, all of those states. And I meant to give the map to, to Tim back there, and I just didn't have time to do that. But all of those nations are in, in that area. Turkey, all of those nations. Look at verse 16 of chapter 38. What, what God's word says about God. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I'm telling you folks, you need to give this man a raise. See, it's all of those nations plus, even a little bit further up, but it's, it's, it's those nations that are listed. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, God's word identifies, it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land that the Gentiles may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. This is God's way of saying, what I'm about to do to you, the rest of the world is going to know that I'm God. Especially my people are going to know that I'm fighting on their behalf. Verse 17, Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? Very interesting. 
And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. This battle of Gog and Magog is the first at the beginning of the tribulation period. There are two battles of Gog and Magog. The first battle takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. The second battle takes place at the very end of the millennium. And it's the same spirit. It's the same demonic uh, hatred for Israel and for God that's going to arouse it up in the, at, at the end of the millennial kingdom. But there's a difference. When this battle takes place, there's still a lot of time left. The Bible declares how much time is left. Even tells us how it's going to be seven years. That's how we know it's at the beginning of the tribulation. The battle of Gog and Magog at the end, boy, when that happens, God wipes them out, and there is a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, no more time. Well, all eternity, but the new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, the old earth has passed away. So it that final battle, Gog and Magog, that's it. But when this battle takes place, there are things that are going to be taking place. Look back over to chapter 38. Real quick. Verse 2, prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief priest of Meshach and Tubal. Both of those are talking about Turkey. Parts of Turkey. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. God says, this is what I'm going to do. They're, they're at it, almost like Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh had a bitterness and a hatred for the children of Israel. And God used Pharaoh. God's going to use these to bring about his purpose. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with God. Take it up with God. Because he's going to bring about his purpose. And he's telling them, I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. By the way, do you know how they used to treat slaves? They would put hooks in slaves' jaws. And, and that goes back to that. And they would lead them along their journeys. And the slave would have to go. That's, that's how they were made to follow the caravans. Made to follow the direction that they were wanting to go. That's, that's a reference to that. And God is saying, I, I'm going to treat you the same way. I'm going to make you do this for His glory. So that His people are going to know that God is fighting for us. And I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws and I will bring thee forth and all thy army and horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, that's Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, that's West Turkey, and all of his bands, the house of uh, uh, Togoma, that's part of Turkey, of the northern quarters, and all of his bands, and many people with thee. That's the other Islamic nations. Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Egypt. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company. Can't say God didn't warn them. That are a symbol unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. 
And after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. I think we're in the latter years, folks. And thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people and against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Israel is safely inhabited. Israel is safe. The restoration is taking place. Part of it is because of the beast, but that's what's going on here. This warning, this is against these, these nations. And thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. And thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that as the same time shall things come into thy mind that thou shalt think an evil thought. God says, You're, it, it's going to come into your mind. Why are we allowing this? Why are we allowing that covenant? Why are we allowing them to survive? Let's just go. That's going to come into their mind. God's telling them it's going to come into your mind. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Hey, you know why they're unwalled? Because Israel is, being, is dwelling safely. And I will go to them that are at rest talking about Israel, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. By the way, this has never happened in Israel before. This is prophetic. This is what's coming. It kind of fits, again, Second Thessalonians, First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5, when they say peace and safety and sudden destruction. To take a spoil and to take a prey to thy... Turn thy hand into the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land and Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods and to take great spoil? It's part of the benefit of a caliphate, by the way, is whatever you conquer, you keep, you take. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? The answer to that is yes. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses and great company and a mighty army, and thou shalt come against my people Israel as a cloud. Well, what happens to them? Look at chapter 39. Well, 38, 28, uh, uh, 38 verse 23. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am Jehovah. This is what's happening in the day of the Lord. My advice to you is beware. Beware. God is a God of love and mercy and grace and long-suffering, and He's willing to save. Amen. But he is not a God to trifle with. He is not a God to put off. He is not a God to anger. Look at chapter 39. Therefore, thou son of man, 
prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O God, the chief priest of Turkey and southern Russia. That's what Meshach and Tubal is. And I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. What's going to happen in Afghanistan and all of those other nations with all the saber rattling and all the world's attention turned there and all the stuff that's going on there? What's going to happen? God's word tells us what's going to happen. I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee, and I will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand. I will cause thy arrows to fall out of thy right hand. In other words, your weapons are going to be useless that you bring against Israel. God says, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to allow it. This is going to happen. In that first battle, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. This is one of those wars. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that's with thee, and I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, to the beast of the field to be devoured. This is not the battle of Armageddon. That comes at the end of the tribulation. It's the battle of Armageddon that something similar happens, but that's all the nations of the world, according to Zechariah 14. All the nations come against Israel. All the nations led by the beast comes against the nation of Israel in order to settle once and for all who's the true Messiah. And guess who wins? The true Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got this battle of Gog and Magog that involves all the Islamic nations because they see what's going on between this beast and Israel entering into that covenant, confirming the covenant with Israel. They don't like it. They're going to stop it. They think they're going to stop it, but the beast is about to show his claws. He's, and what he's going to be doing after, after this. But it's God that's going to take this Islamic threat out. For the rest of the tribulation, the Islamic threat is no more. A sixth part, they're only going to leave a sixth part of them. The Islamic threat is no more. But before you go, man, I'm glad of that. What the beast is going to initiate, what the beast is going to bring to the equation, what the beast is going to do on earth, makes them pale in comparison. Makes what happens in these nations pale in comparison. The persecution, the murderous acts, the martyrdom, all of that, it, it's nothing compared to what the beast is going to do after this Islamic, Islamic threat is taken care of. Verse 4, Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel and all thy bands and all of thy people. Verse 6, and I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Sixty times in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet says that. Sixty times, they shall know that I am the Lord. This is the day of the Lord, 
And God is going to make sure that people know who He is. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the Gentiles shall know that I am Jehovah, the Holy One in Israel. Remember the restoration. Remember the two witnesses. Remember the 144,000. Remember that the gospel of the kingdom is being proclaimed during that time. And all of this is taking place. Verse 8, Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Now let me ask you a tricky question. How long is the tribulation? Seven years. So we're getting an indication when this battle is going to be. It's at the beginning. Seven years. So they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them, and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of the graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea. And that kind of identifies, uh, I think, the Dead Sea and the, and the Sea of Galilee, where they're going to come to. And there shall they bury Gog and all of his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Hamongog, or the multitude of Gog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. See, the last battle of Gog and Magog, there's no need to cleanse the land because God's about to do it. You have a new earth and new Jerusalem. This is a different battle. This is something that's going to be going on in Israel. Verse 13, Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them and it shall be to them a renowned the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall severe out, or they shall choose out men of continual employment. There are so many graves to dig. There is so much going on that they have to hire a workforce to take care of it all. And they shall sever out men of continual employment passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. And the passengers that pass through the land when they see a man's bone, they shall set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangok. And... And also the name of the city shall be Hamanah. And thus shall they cleanse the land. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord, Speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field, Assemble themselves to come together. God's word says that, that it's, it's going to be so bad, They're going to hold their noses because of all the stench and all that's, that's going on. These nations are in the news today. This episode is close. 
This battle, who knows when this could take place. It's really based on when the church, the body of Christ, is taken out. And see, that's the thing we're not sure of. And the reason for that is because God is so rich in mercy. He is so gracious. He is so patient. He is so loving that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That's what God wants. So this dispensation of grace, this period of grace just keeps going. It keeps going and perhaps in God's long suffering it is you that he's waiting on by faith to trust him. Perhaps it's you. One of these days the last member of the body of Christ is going to be saved. One of these days, the last person is going to, by faith, trust Christ, be made part of the body of Christ and saved under this present time, and boom, the rapture is going to take place, and then all of this is going to happen. But folks, you can't help but see and understand just how close we are. And the whole purpose, real quick, turn to Psalm 83 and we'll be done. Look at Psalm 83. I wish I had to use this as the memory verse. Why is God doing all of this? Why is God going to be doing all of that? Psalm 83, verse 18, Tim. That men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. Aren't you glad you're on his side? Aren't you glad you belong to him this morning? If you don't, you can know him. And by the way, the rapture didn't happen the first part of the sermon. So you still have time to believe. I know the rapture didn't happen. I'm still here. I'm still preaching. You're still here. But let me encourage you by faith to trust Christ. The world is such a frightening place and I'm here to tell you that the only safe place is within the body of Christ. Trusting Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and as we read these scriptures, as we see these events, knowing that they are prophetic, knowing that they are written for the latter times. Father, we can't help but read them and recognize them and realize that those latter times are just about upon us. So, Father, it's with an urgency that we proclaim the truth of your word to those that do not know you, that by faith they may trust in the true and living God. And Father, we thank you for that salvation. We thank you that we can offer it 
that you've called on us to be your ambassadors, to teach it. So I pray this morning, Father, if there's anybody here that does not know you as Savior, that they will not leave this building without trusting you as Savior. We pray all these things in Christ's holy and most precious, precious name. Amen. Let's stand.